morning. Thank you for being here. It's awesome to welcome so many new people. You've come at a really great time because we're in the midst of reorganizing what's the backbone of this church, which is our small group ministry. And next Sunday, you'll have some special occasions. Number one, there'll be tables out in the lobby and down the hall. Every small group will have their leader out there. And so you'll get a chance to meet all small group leaders and face-to-face think about a group that you'd fit into. Also, if you just like to start a group or you just want to be a better leader, We'll be doing leader training at 1245, so next week's a really, really big week. You know, the most effective advertising often is what we call before and after pictures. And almost anything you want to sell, if you can come up with that, you'll do better. For instance, if you wanted your teeth to look better, you can find that. Or maybe you're not too pleased with the way your bathroom looks in the shower. There's a before and after picture. We love, especially the ones about weight loss, when someone hardly makes in the picture, and then like Al Roker is able to lose so much weight. And let me show you my before and after picture from my gym. (laughs) That's back when I had a beard. Actually, um, they did ask me for a picture. It was the before picture, all right? Oh, thank you for obliging me with that just for a moment. Uh, Dan says we celebrate. If that were true, we ought to celebrate, right? That'd be an amazing celebration. Because let me say this this morning. The, The best advertisement for Jesus Christ has always been before and after pictures. The two great leaders of the early church, their ministry was based on their stories. You got Simon Peter, who would not even admit that he knew the Lord, who denies the Lord. And in just a few days later, after he's witnessed the resurrected Christ and be full of the Holy Spirit, he's the one preaching the gospel when 3,000 people become Christians. And then you got Saul of Tarsus, who is moving from city to city, trying to catch Christians, persecute them, even murder them. And then he meets Jesus on the road to Damascus and everything changes. And now he's still going from city to city, but now he's going from city to city to plant churches. They're amazing stories. And I would say this to you and I this morning. That's what Jesus said. Look in Mark chapter 5 verse 19 and listen to what Jesus said. He's just healed a demon-possessed man. And like anybody, The demon-possessed man just wanted to keep on hanging out with Jesus. And Jesus says, no, that's not my plan for you. Here's what he says I want you to do. Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you, guys. You don't have to be a biblical expert to tell your testimony. You just go tell people what Jesus has done. And guys, let me just say that. This is also the best advertisement for any church. In Acts, when the church is exploding, every few chapters they stop and they report what the Lord had done. Why? Because a great church is built on great testimonies. It's powerful. And I would say this about the Landmark Church, and we're in some exciting days right now. And as we do this short series called This Is Us, where you tell you who we are, let me tell you, the Landmark Church's best advertisement is the story of a changed life. And guys, we've heard so many testimonies from this stage and in other places. And they, they stay in our mind. I think of my brother Junior Bagwell when he was, uh, UPS was on strike and he wasn't making any money. And instead of cutting his giving, he doubled his giving. And a few months later, he's able to come before our church and tell him how God blessed him. I think of Ed Bice, who got addicted to cocaine. 
I'd beg him almost every week if I could to tell that story because he's lost his business, he's lost his home, he's losing his family. And one day he finds himself in a hotel room and he walks by a mirror and he sees what he looks like now. And it hit him and he fell on his face before God and surrendered his life to God. And now Ed Bice may lead the most effective ministry in this church because of that story. I think of Heath Woodruff growing up as this great, athletic, good-looking kid who loved to party and had gotten by with it for years until he finally got to law school and he couldn't do law school and party at the same time and he crashed and then he gave his life to Jesus Christ. I could tell you so many stories. Stephen and Kelly Sermons, one of my very favorite ones, after some really bad things that happened in their marriage. And Stephen thinks he can't stay at the house they're living in. They're actually, of all things, living with their in-laws at that moment. And and Stephen is getting packed up to leave because he thinks he doesn't deserve to be there. And on his way out, his mother-in-law, Linda, form tackles him and says, you're not going anywhere. You're going to work on that marriage. And now they not only have a great marriage, but a beautiful, beautiful family. I could tell story after story after story from people overcoming everything from pornography to adultery to depression to anxiety, because it's those stories that a great church is built on. What what does Webster say a a testimony is? I love this definition. It's firsthand authentication of a fact. Because we we, we can read the facts of the Bible. You can memorize that, and that's powerful. But why the Bible is also so full of all these stories is because God knows we need more than just facts. We need more than just to say, you know, grace is unmerited favor. You know, it's getting what you need and not what you deserve. I need a story like Peter. I need a story like Paul to tell me it's real. I need the stories in this church to go, you know what? This is not just a fact. This fact has been enfleshed in a person. And that, my friend, is so very powerful. I don't believe there's anything more powerful than the testimony of a changed life. I remember Rick Warren saying years ago, the greatest power of a church is the story of a changed life. You know, sometimes I wish we had a big advertising budget and we'd put billboards down I-85 or we had a great TV budget. We don't have any of those things. But I'm telling you, that's not what we need. What we need for this church to continue to explode like it is right now is we need us to be out there telling our stories and believing that God can change anyone. Now, let's, let's say, let's be honest about this, though. To do this, you must be willing to tell both the before and the after. A lot of times we're embarrassed by the before picture. We just want to tell people how great our life is right now. But the power of a testimony is there's both a before picture and an after picture. And that's why as a church, we work really hard to make this a safe place for those stories to be told. Our vision statement is to be a community that shows the love of Jesus to people experiencing life struggles. I think I might change a little bit if I could. We are church building a community to show the life-changing power of Jesus' love to any of us experiencing life's struggles. And that's why if you're new to us, this is a church where you don't have to cover up your past. Or even if you're struggling right now, you don't have to cover it up. Because we understand you're never going to have a testimony until you're first honest with where you are, right? 
And so a lot of churches, you may feel like you got to go and cover up, and you got to go and fake, you got to go and act like everything's okay. That's not this church if you're looking into us. This is a church where it's okay to be weak, it's okay to be broken, because we believe that's when God does his greatest work. And so this morning, we're going to get to celebrate the worldwide impact of this church. And today, we're going to hear a testimony from the country of Turkey, if you know much about our mission work. That's where we put a lot of our, our time and a lot of our money. And uh, great things are happening in that. And we are blessed today to have Oscar from Antalya, Turkey, to share his story. And I'll just tell you, buckle up, open up your heart, and listen to the power of God. Oscar's going to share, and uh, Andrew is going to translate. Listen closely. Good morning, everybody, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ. <laughs> yeah, I will share my testimony, but in my language, Turkish, and praise Lord, Andrew is here with us. <laughs> he will translate for me. Now I can continue in Turkish. Adım Özgür, 91 yılında Diyarbakır'da doğdum. Özgür, and I was born in 1991 in the city of Diyarbakır. Haritanın sağında Güneydoğu'da görebilirsiniz. You can see it in the southeast quadrant of the nation of Turkey on the map. Ve buraya Güneybatı'dan Antalya'dan geliyorum. And I moved from there actually to the southwest to Antalya. Vadi'nin dediği gibi tanıklıklar çok harikadır. As Buddy said, the power of testimony is great. Çünkü tanıklıklar bize İsa Mesih'in dün, bugün ve sonsuza dek aynı olduğunu hatırlatır. Because when we hear testimonies, we remember that God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Ve bugün de Tanrı'nın hikayesini dinliyorsunuz aracılığımla. And today, we are listening to a story of God. Türkiye'de doğarsanız ve biraz daha radikal bir bölgede yaşıyorsanız 5 yaşında camide Kur'an öğrenmeye başlarsınız. If you were to be born in Turkey in a more conservative portion of the country uh, where there's a radical commitment to the traditional faiths uh, you would begin to go to the mosque at about the age 5 or 6 to learn the Quran. Ben de tıpkı o çocuklar gibi 5-6 yaşında camiye gidip Kur'an öğrenmeye başladım. And so I like all those children in my region started to go at the age of 5 to the jami to the mosque for ya, yaklaşık bir yıl gittikten sonra kendimden küçük çocuklara Kur'an dersi vermeye başladım. And then not long later I began to actually recite and teach other children who were younger than me these same verses. Kur'an'ı öğrendim ve öğretiyordum ama Türkçesi hakkında bir fikrim yoktu. I started teaching the Arabic verses but I had no idea even what I was teaching people. Bazı sorularım vardı ve beni büyüten hocalara soruyordum. I would have some questions from time to time and so I would ask the teachers who were above me about these things. Onlar radikal İslami bir gruptandı, Hizbullah'tandı. And they were teachers who had come from the radical group known as Hezbollah. Genellikle benim susmamı ve soru sormamamı söylerdiler. Aileme sorduğumda onlar da soru sorma derlerdi. Ve bir süre sonra soru sormayı bıraktım. Dedim ki tamam büyüyünce bazı soruların cevaplarını alırım. Yaklaşık 13 yaşıma kadar pek bir soru sormadım aslında. 
14-14 yaşıma geldiğimde hem kendimle ilgili hem hayatla ilgili çok sorularım vardı. So then by the time I reached that point I had a lot of questions, a lot of problems and things that I needed answers to. Küçükken küçük sorular soruyordum ama büyüdüğümde bu sorular da büyümüştü. Tanrı bazı şeylere neden izin veriyor, neden yaşıyorum? Tanrı var mı yok mu? Bu sorularla tekrar yüzleşmeye başlayınca yeniden araştırma gereği duydum. Aslında araştırmaya başlamadan önce hayatım biraz kötüye gitmeye başlamıştı. Uyuşturucu ve alkol kullanmaya başlamıştım. Ve hayatımda iyi giden çok az şey olmaya başlıyordu. Ve o zamanlarda eski yaşamımı düşünüp tekrar araştırıp inançlı olmam lazım dedim. Uh, just entering my teen years that I needed to start studying faith again of any kind. Kur'an'ın Türkçesini okumaya ve Muhammed'in hayatını araştırmaya başladım. I started to study the words of Muhammad in Turkish instead of Arabic. Arapça okuduğumda gerçekten hiçbir fikrim yoktu bununla ilgili. I had no idea what the actual teachings were when I studied in Arabic. Türkçesiyle yüzleşince dedim ki gerçekten bu inanç ve tanrı gerçek olsa bile ben takip edemem. Diğer inançlara bakma gereği bile duymadım. Çünkü gerçekten İslam'la büyüdüğümüz için son inancın olduğuna inanıyorduk ve başka hiçbir şey yoktu bizim için. Because we had grown up in Islam and we believed that we were the last and final authority on God's teaching for this world. Ve benim için hayal kırıklığıydı. And that was a huge disappointment for me. Çünkü hayatım zaten bana göre berbat bir durumdaydı ve İslam benim için çok güvenilirdi. Because I had trusted so much Islam in my life had come to such a bad state. Onun da yanlış olduğunu gördüğümde büyük bir şok yaşadım ve hayal kırıklığı yaşadım. When I saw that I couldn't trust it, I had a great disappointment in my life. O zaman hayatım daha da kötüye gitmeye başladı. And so I continued in the way that I had decided for myself in a negative way, growing worse and worse. Derin bir depresyon yaşamaya başladı. I fell into deep depression. Yaklaşık bir iki yıl o depresyonun içerisindeydim. Uyuşturucu ve alkol sürekli kullanıyordum. Ve lisedeyken silah taşımaya başlamıştım. Lise bir de daha fazla okulda tutmadılar beni, kovuldum. Okuldan kovulduktan sonra part-time çalıştığım iş yerinde Tüm zaman çalışmaya başladım. So I moved from working part-time at a computer repair shop to full-time. Ve orada iyice yalnızlaşmaya başladım. And there things just got worse. Çünkü iş yeri, işler bittikten sonra oturup orada içmeye ve tek başıma kalmaya devam ediyordum. Because uh, I was able to stay there by myself in the shop when everything was shut down and continue to live the light, loose life that I was with drugs and alcohol. Birkaç ay öyle devam ettikten sonra artık benim için çıkış yolu yok gibi olmaya başladı. After several months of working there I began to feel like there was no exit for me. Ve düşünmeye başladım. Hayat hakkında sorular sormaya başladım. I started asking questions about life. 
Dedim ki bu hayat yaşamaya değmez. And I thought it's not worth living this life. Yani gerçekten hiç kimseyi sevmiyordum, kendimden bile nefret ediyordum. I don't love anyone, nobody loves me. Hiçbir beklentim yoktu hayattan. I had no expectations from life. Güvendiğim her şey yıkılmıştı bana göre. Everything that I had put my trust in had been destroyed in my opinion. O zaman intihar etmeye karar verdim. And so I had decided I was going to end my life. Bir gün çok fazla alkol ve uyuşturucu kullanmıştım. I had used a lot of drugs and drinking a lot of alcohol that day. Ve çok sorular soruyordum yine içimde. And I asked myself a lot of questions. O zaman dedim ki artık bu hayat yaşamaya değmez. And I said to myself, I can't live anymore. Zaman doldu artık. It's time. Silahımı aldım, kafama değdim. I took my gun and I put it to my head. Tabii ki şimdi sizinle konuşuyorsam o beklenen şeyi yapmadım. You know that what you would expect to happen didn't happen because of course I'm standing here talking with you today. Ama o silah kafamdayken çok şey düşünmeye başladım. But even more things started come to mind and flood my mind as I was standing there with the gun to my head. Ve birden ağlamaya başladım. And I suddenly started weeping. Çok saçma bir dua etmeye başladım. And I said a really just absurd prayer. Eğer bir Müslümansanız dualar sizin yüreğinizden gelmez genellikle. For, for person, genellikle kalıplaşmış bazı Arapça dualar yaparsınız. Aynı zamanda o saçma dediğim duayı ettiğimde Tanrı'ya inanmıyordum. Ama ya artık o vakitte Tanrı'ya yalvardım ve dedim ki oradaysan lütfen artık beni duy. But at that time I cried out to God and I said if you're there show yourself to me. Eğer varsan bana yardım et. Yoksan zaten havaya konuşuyorum. If not I'm just talking to air anyway. Ya o gün o silahı çekmedim tabii ki ve eve gittim. As you can see, I did not pull the trigger that day. I Pazar, went home. Pazar günleri genellikle izin günümdü ve sabaha kadar oturur, öğleye kadar uyurdum. And uh, Sundays were my day off normally, and it was my tradition, my habit to stay up really late and then get up well into the day. Ama o gün sabah yedi gibi gözlerim açıldı ve bir ses, bir şey hissettim. But that day, I opened my eyes early and I heard a voice. Ve o ses bana git Hristiyanlığı araştır diyordu. O zamana kadar Hristiyanlıkla ilgili hiç iyi şey duymamıştım. Yani Türkiye'de duyduğumuz şey Hristiyanların yanlış bir inanca inandığı, buraya gelen Hristiyanların ülkemiz için kötülük yaptığıydı. So the Muslim clerics and teachers tell us and the nation says that The Christians do horrible things and they're here to divide our country. Çevremde hiç Hristiyan yoktu. Kimse bana İncil'den ya da İsa'dan bahsetmedi. I didn't have any personal contact with anybody who was a Christian. Ama hamdolsun ki Tanrı kimse olmadan da çalışıyor. But praise, it, praise God that even when there are not people representing him, he's still working. Eğer Tanrı'ya inanıyorsanız bilirsiniz ki Tanrı bir şey isterse biz ona karşı koyamayız. Mm-hmm. And as you know, that if god chooses someone calls someone we cannot resist his power ben o sese karşı koyamadım ve o sabah erkenden kalkıp iş yerime gittim i could not resist his call on my life at that time and so 
I, I went back to my workplace. Ve internetten Hristiyanlık nedir diye araştırmaya başladım. And got online and started to study what Christianity teaches. Yıllar geçtiğinde geriye dönüp baktığımda bir şey görüyorum. I, as I look back now on the years, I see something. Tanrı kendimi öldürmek istediğim yerde bana yeni bir yaşam verdi. In the place of my wanting to kill myself, God wanted to give me new life. Aslında fiziksel olarak ölmedim ama hamdolsun ki farklı bir şekilde ölüp yeniden dirildim. I didn't maybe physically die that day and yet I was given a whole new life in which I died and came back to life. Tabii ki araştırırken Hristiyanlıkla ilgili harika şeyler duymadım. And still as I was researching I didn't find great things about Christianity. Çünkü onu yazanlar genellikle taraflı şeyler yazdılar. Because most of them were writing from a very biased perspective. Ama İncil ve İsa ile ilgili gerçek hikayeler duyduğumda çok etkilenmeye başladım. But as I started to find the stories of Jesus life himself in the gospel I was very affected positively. Aslında iman etmeden önce Tanrı'yı tanımadan önce sürekli bir şey söylüyordum. Kime soru sorarsam hayat bir sınav diyorlardı. Whenever I would ask people in the world what was going on, they would say life is a test. Ve ben de diyordum ki artık o hep yukarıda, ben hep aşağıdayım. And I was angry with God. I said you're always up there and I'm always down here. O hep zengin, ben hep fakirim. You're always rich, I'm always poor. İnsin ve Tanrı sınavı olsun. Come down and let this test be given to you. Bunu yaşamadan beni anlayamazsın. If you don't live like I do, you can't understand me. Yani ev kitabındaki aptalca konuşan bir adamı hatırlatıyor bana. It reminds me of the foolish speaking of Job, who darkened the counsel of God. Tanrı dedi ki bilgisizce sözlerle tasarımı karartan bu adam kim? God responds, who is this person who darkens my counsel? Aslında bunu söylerken bilmiyordum ki 2000 yıl önce Tanrı beden aldı ve bu dünyaya indi. In all that time I had no idea that God had come down 2000 years ago and lived this life. Araştırırken bunu gördüğümde büyük bir şok yaşadım. And as I was studying and I saw this, I was shocked. Bütün silahlarım elimden alınmış gibi hissettim. <gülüyor> Ve o zaman dedim ki bir kilise bulmalıyım kafam çok karışık. Gidip sorularımı onlara sordum. Çok, çok nazik bir şekilde her şeyi yanıtladılar. Ve araştırdığım zaman da bir olaya denk geldim. And as I was doing that I came upon a certain situation. Türkiye'de 2007 yılında çok korkunç bir şey oldu. In 2007 there was a horrible event that happened in Turkey. Üç Hristiyan beş genç tarafından çok ciddi bir şekilde işkenceye uğradı ve boğazları kesilerek öldürüldü. Yeah, there were five young men who went and killed and tor- tortured and killed three Christian workers in the country. Yani o Türkiye'de çok büyük bir haber oldu. It was all over the news in Turkey. Yaklaşık birkaç ay sonra onların eşleri Türkiye'deki televizyon kanalları ve gazetelerdeydi. And then about a, a year later the women of these the, the widows of these men were on TV in the news. Ve onların söylediği bir şey beni çok etkiledi. And what they said affected me deeply. Dediler ki biz katilleri bağışlıyoruz. They said we forgive those who murdered our husbands. Nasıl, nasıl olur dedim. I said how could this be? 
Eğer benim doğduğum kültürde doğsaydınız sizin için daha anlamlı olurdu çünkü intikam almamız gerekiyor bunun için. Maybe you would understand even better if you'd grown up in our culture but it was almost a responsibility to avenge the blood of your loved family members. Bunlar en sevdiği kişileri öldürenleri bağışladığını söylüyorlar. And here they are saying that they forgive the people who took the lives of their most loved husbands. İlk duyduğumda bana çok aptalca geldi. When I first heard it, it sounded like foolishness. Ama çok etkilendim. But I was deeply affected. İncil'i araştırmaya devam edince çok büyük bir şey keşfettim. And as I studied to study the Bible and continue to read its words, I found this passage. İsa kendisini çarmıha gelenler için dedi ki baba onları bağışla çünkü ne yaptıklarını bilmiyorlar. When Jesus was being hung on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. Çok zor, çok korkunç bir şeydi. It was a frightening time to hear that. Ama bu insanlar zor olanı yaptı. But these people did what God asked them to. O olaydan sonra daha fazla araştırdım ve daha fazla araştırdıkça İsa'ya hayran kaldım. And the more I studied the word of God, the more I was just amazed at Jesus. Ve bir pazar kiliseye gittiğimde onların ibadetini görünce çok etkilendim. And one Sunday as I was there among the church, I was deeply moved. Çünkü orada gördüğüm sevgi bu dünyadan değildi. Because I saw the love that the church had and it was not from this world. Tıpkı İsa'nın dediği gibi sizin sevginizle bütün dünya benim öğrencim olduğunuzu anlayacak. Just as Jesus said, this is how the world will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Tabii ki iman ettikten sonra her şey hemen harika olmadı. But of course, even still after becoming a follower of Jesus, not everything changed immediately. Bir pazar kalkıp iman ettiğimi söyledikten sonra ailemle birçok sorun yaşamaya başladı. As I got up and came forward one Sunday, things started to change in my family and become problems. Bir gün beni aradılar, eve gel dediler. They called me home one day. Eve gittiğimde masaya İncil ve kitaplarımı When I arrived at home, they had all of my books, my Bible and my Christian writings. Bu ne dediler? And they said, what are these? İncil ve kiliseye gidiyorum. I said, it's a Bible and I've been visiting a church. korktum iman ettiğimi söylemeye. I was afraid to tell them that I'd become a Christian. Ama bana gitmeyeceksin dediler. But they said, you're not going to go. Gideceğim dedim. I said, I'm gonna go. O zaman babam çok öfkelendi. My dad got really angry at Bana that. bir yumruk atıp kafamı duvara vurdu. Punched me in the face and knocked my head into the wall. Onun bir arkadaşı yanıma geldi ve seni öldürürüm dedi. And one of his friends grabbed me by the collar and said, "You're never gonna go, or we're gonna kill you." Bir süre dışarıya çıkmadım. For a time, I did not go outside. Ama sonra gizli bir şekilde gitmeye devam ettim. And then I continued to go to church secretly. Ve her pazar bir buçuk saat, bir saat neredeyse yürüyüp kiliseye gidip ibadete katılıp geri dönüyordum. And to, in order to get to church secretly, I had to go without money, and so I'd walk about an hour and a half to church. Yıllar içerisinde çok tartıştık. And throughout that year, we had a lot of fights. Ve bir gün annemle konuşurken ona Tanrı'nın beni nasıl değiştirdiğini anlatıyordum. And one day when I was explaining to my mother how God had changed my life, uyuşturucuyu bırakmıştım, alkolü bırakmıştım. Annem dedi ki keşke uyuşturucu kullanmaya devam etseydin, ölseydin ama Hristiyan olmasaydın. My mother said to me, I wish that you had kept drinking and using drugs and died rather than become a Christian. Bir gün babamla gece tartışmaya başladık. One day as I was arguing with my father. 
Ve dedi ki evimde yaşıyorsan kurallarıma uyacaksın. Dedim ki gideceğim. I said I'm gonna go. İleride eşim işim her şeyim bu olacak. Well, this is what my future has for me. O çok öfkelendi, bağırdı. He got very angry and yelled. Ve o gün evden ayrılmam gerekti. And he kicked me out of the house then. Üç yıl kilisede yaşadım. For three years I lived in the church. Çok zor zamanlardı benim için. It was a very difficult period of time for me. Ama aynı zamanda harika zamanlardı. But also an amazingly rich time. Tanrı'nın yakınlığını hiç o kadar yakın hissetmemiştim. I never felt as close to God as those times when I depended so much on him. Ve İsa Mesih bize bunu söyledi zaten. This is what Jesus has told us. Dünya liderleri onları takip etmeleri için insanlara güzel şeyler söylerler. The leaders of this world say good things to people in order to convince them to follow. Ama İsa dedi ki ardımdan gelen çarmıhını yüklensin ve beni takip eden zulüm görecek. Jesus told his disciples those who will follow me must take up their cross daily and follow me. Bizi zulümden kurtaracağını ya da oradan hemen yanına alacağını söylemedi. He doesn't promise to take us out of every difficult situation. Ama dedi ki karanlıktan geçerken sizinle olacağım. But he says I will be with you as you pass through the valley of the shadow. Nereye giderseniz gidin sizinle olacağım. Wherever you go, I will be with you. İman ettikten sonra Tanrı birçok şey değiştirdi hayatımda. After I became Christian, God changed so much about my life. Uyuşturucuyu bıraktım, alkolü bıraktım, çok kullanmayı bıraktım ve o silahlarımın hepsinden kurtuldum. By God's power I was able to be free from all of these things, alcohol, drugs and weapons. Ve hamdolsun liseden kovulmuştum ama sonradan okumaya devam edip master bitirdim. Praise the Lord by his grace even though I was kicked out of school. And it was a dropout. I was able to go back to school and even got my master's degree. Tanrı bana harika bir eş. Tanrı bana harika bir eş ve iki tane erkek çocuk verdi. And the Lord gave me a wonderful wife and two sons. Hala birçok şey değiştirmeye devam ediyor. Türkiye hakkında çok duydunuz. <gülüyor> Bazı kişiler şaşırdım. Çok fazla kişi gelmiş Türkiye'ye. Tanrı tıpkı benim tanıklığım gibi birçokların hayatında çok şey yapıyor. And God is working not just in my life but in many people like me. Antalya'da harika işler yapıyor. He's doing great work in the city of Antalya. Hükümetimiz daha radikal bir yere götürmeye çalışıyor ülkeyi. Even though the government may want to take us in a more radical direction. Ama birçok kişi kiliseye geliyor. Still many people are coming to the church. Buraya gel- çıkmadan önce gençlerle yazışıyorduk. <gülüyor> Before I came up on stage the youth were writing me. Antalya İncil Kilisesi'nin harika gençleri de bizi izliyor şimdi. Our wonderful youth and college students are watching us right now on the live stream. Tanrı onlar gibi birçok harika genç gönderiyor kiliseye. Size çok teşekkür etmek istiyorum destekleriniz için. Thank you for your support. Çok iyi insanları bize gönderdiğiniz için. Thank you for sending us good people. Andrew bizim için büyük bir kayıp aslında. This is a great loss for Andrew to be gone for Ama us. Tanrı için büyük bir kazanç. But it is a great gain for the Lord no matter what. Ve sizi teşvik ederek bitirmek istiyorum. I would like to finish with a word of encouragement. 
hayatınızda karanlık ve zor anlar olacak kesinlikle. There will definitely be times of darkness and difficulty in your life. Ama ben sadece küçük bir örneğim bugün karşınızda. And I am just one small example in front of you today. Tanrı dünyanın her yanında birçok kardeşimizle birlikte çalışıyor. God is working in this way all over the world among many brothers and sisters. Hayatınızdaki karanlık bugün ne olursa olsun Tanrı'ya güvenin. No matter what you do in this life, whatever you face obstacles, you know that God is with you. Çünkü o söz verdi ateşten geçerken bizimle olacak. As he said as you pass through the fires I'll be with you. Benim tanıklığım gibi birçok tanıklık okumak isterseniz çıkışta kitaplarımız var onlardan alabilirsiniz. If you would like to read more stories like this before you leave today, come to the back information desk. You can pick up a book there free. Uh, to read more of the stories and the and the testimonies of the people in the church in Antalya. May the Lord bless you. Be seated just for a moment. Uh, I want to just share two passages with you as we close out what's been such a powerful morning. I don't know there's ever been more powerful words spoken from this stage. They would ask her shared for us this morning. Listen to Acts chapter 4, verse 13, talking about some before and after pictures. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. My friends, if you're wondering how you have a before and after picture, the in-between step is Jesus. What changes our before to something glorious is an encounter with Jesus Christ. I love when Oscar was sharing. It's incredible that he was saying to God, where are you? Why don't you come down here? Why don't you take this test? Why don't you come show it can be done? And then he discovers Jesus did that. It's so powerful. Then look at Revelation 12. In Revelation 12, verse 10, it says, for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. My friends, the word accuser is a, a different word for Satan. He's the accuser. He's the prosecutor. Probably this morning is one young man I talked to after first service. He was telling some lies in his head of who he was and where he should have been this morning. And Satan is always accusing us. But we have the power to overcome that. Look at verse 11. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. How do we overcome the accuser who tells us all kinds of bad things about ourselves? First of all, by the blood of the Lamb. Listen, the blood of the Lamb makes every one of those accusations untrue. You have been forgiven by Jesus Christ. It's not true true. And then how do we overcome it? By the word of our testimony. What Satan is afraid of, what he does not want to hear is you tell people about your before and after life because then they'll see Jesus. Guys, your testimony is not just a good idea to have. It's just not something nice to have in your back pocket. It is not only the way that we influence other people. It's also the way we keep Satan at bay. We continue to tell the word of our testimony. My friends, that's where the power is found. And this morning, you may not have some crazy testimony like we've heard, some bold testimony like some people in this church. But let me tell you, 
yours is just as real as anybody else's. It might not sound so dramatic, but it's just as powerful. I think of one of the best men I've ever known, Tommy Weldon, who was an elder in this church for many years. Tommy Weldon had been a good, godly man his whole life. But I'll never forget the testimony he gave me after he discovered the grace of God. He said, I've been following Jesus my whole life. I've been in church my whole life, and this is the first time I've ever enjoyed it. That's a testimony. Or think of Kathy Duncan, who I ran into Wednesday night, who's telling me how Friends Speak has changed her life. That her whole life, she's had a heart for people internationally, and, and now they're coming to our doors every Sunday and Wednesday, and she's able to teach them the gospel. And she said, not only is it changing them, it has changed me. And I don't know what your testimony may be about. It may be about overcoming anxiety or depression or some kind of addiction. It may just be coming to peace in your marriage. It may be coming to amazing stories we've heard today about forgiveness of someone who's done you wrong. And God's the challenge for you and I is to tell it. It's to tell it, it's to tell it, it's to tell it. And so this morning, if today you are ready to surrender your life to Jesus and you'd like to be baptized, That's a marker of the before and the after. The before man is dead. The after man is resurrected. Or maybe today you're just sort of stuck in the before. Right now your story's not so good. You're going through really difficult times. And here's what I want to remind you. That's where a testimony starts. It starts by acknowledging things are not the way they ought to be. I'm pretty screwed up right now. That's where it starts. And in this church, it would be okay for you to come down here and tell us where you are so that we can pray and you can meet Jesus and you'll have this great after story. But that's where it starts, so don't be ashamed of it. If we can help you, why don't you come right now?